So I've been a journalist uh, for a number of years. I worked in my college newspaper. I worked at newspapers in small towns. And the state of truth and what we believe and facts and common sense are all very concerning to me right now. The number of people who seem willing to judge what is true based off of strictly what they believe as opposed to what the facts are saying or what research is being done is very, very difficult for me. I understand that there are conflicting narratives. I understand that there are facts that point us in different directions and people's experiences are complicated and not always straightforward. But it's hard when people give up, stop trying to understand what is true and just agree with the things that already agree with what they believe. It's hard when people stop looking. Today, we're going to be talking about supporting materials in your speech. Supporting materials are the facts and the stories, the statistics, all the different things you bring into your speech to prove to your audience that what you're saying is true. It's hard to convince audiences that things are true. But today, we are going to take a stab at it. We're going to talk about each of these different types. We're going to talk about how to cite sources. And hopefully, as we go through this, you will see that there are ways that you, when speaking, can help your audience come to an understanding of the facts that you're presenting them, the logic of them, and the emotional core of the things that you're saying. We have to try to bring truth to the people around us. Speaking is an excellent way to do that, but unless we take great care in selecting our facts and our stories and telling them where they came from, there is no way that we can effectively do that, not in today's world. So stick around. This is good stuff. Welcome to Enter to Public Speaking. This is week nine, Supporting Materials. Let's start with stories. Stories are the emotional backbone of your speech and crucial if you want your audience to be engaged and to remember what you said. I use stories in conversation and I have to use stories when speaking. Otherwise, the things that I'm saying tend to become boring. Now, a lot of people struggle with the difference between facts and stories. So I wanna talk about that just a little bit. So stories normally have characters. They have very specific details and they have some type of narrative. Uh, for instance, if I were to say, when I was a kid, I went to dance lessons. That's just a fact. That's not a story. It only lasts for one sentence. There's no change. There are no real details. And it's just a fact about myself. I'm the only character who shows up. There may be a story hidden in there somewhere, but the audience isn't going to live that experience with me if I tell them about it that way. On the contrary, if I were to say, when I was a kid, I wanted to go to dance lessons more than anything else. I remember putting loose change in a glass jar beside my bed, counting it every day to see if I'd gathered enough for ballet slippers. My mom would watch me, just kind of smiling, not saying much of anything. On my birthday, I got to see inside the dance studio for the very first time. The bar running across the wall was bright and shiny. The mirror bounced light all throughout the room. The instructor smiled just like my mother had been smiling. And I knew from that point on, I was going to be a dancer. That's a story. Notice a few things. It takes longer. There's more details. 
there's you can see inside the room you can see the the dance studio you can see the glass jar full of coins all that stuff is lost when you don't talk about it in that first version you just had a fact I, when I was a kid I wanted to be a dancer cool fine that's good but it doesn't bring us into the world of the speaker you want to bring your audience into your world you want to paint them a picture the story has facts in it, so don't get me wrong. But these facts are used to serve the story. They help us to see something that we were never there to see, to live an experience we never lived. Again, if you want your audience to be engaged and to remember what you say, stories are the most important part of your speech. They make up a huge portion of your supporting materials grade. I look for at least one or two stories or a very, very long and big story that's used multiple times in your speech. Sometimes if I'm putting together a presentation for myself, I will have a story for each main point in my speech or for one or two of my main points. Or I'll have a big story somewhere in like point one or two, but I'll also have a story at the introduction or a story at the conclusion. Pop these like candy. <laughs> these Treat these like Reese's Buttercups. Don't just stop with one have yourself a couple they're nice they're tasty they have that protein in there from the peanut butter it's worth it give yourself stories think about times in your life and your experience that you can talk about now you can also go other places for stories let's say in this speech that's coming up the informative speech um, that you want to talk about a person let's say you wanted to give a speech about Malcolm X for instance telling stories from Malcolm X's life is a great way to to bring stories into this. You can say, okay, he uh, Malcolm X educated educated himself while he was in prison. That's fine. But you could also take the opportunity and go into a deep story. Talk about how he discovered the library while there. Talk about some of the books he read. Dig in. Try to paint a picture of what that experience looked like for Malcolm X. If you do that, your audience is going to feel like they know Malcolm X. They're going to feel like they live the experience next to him. That is powerful stuff. If you're just telling us facts, fine, whatever. You know, we need facts. But when you put them into a story, that really gives you oomph. It makes things real in a way that just straight facts never could. Moving on, I know I've been, <laughs> it sounds like I've been trash talking facts and statistics. But they're actually also important, but they serve a different purpose than we normally give them. Facts and statistics take the stories and show that they're a normal, everyday life type of situation. Let's go back to the Malcolm X thing for a second. If you were giving a speech about him, let's say, or let me, let me, let me change that real quick. Let's say that you're giving a, store, a speech about prison library systems, okay? Imagine that. So you could start your speech with a story about Malcolm X learning in the library in the prison. Then you could transition and say, did you know that there are 15,000 in prison libraries in the United States or whatever the number is? You see, what that does is that takes a single instance, Malcolm X's story, and it shows that it happens on a broader scale. So 
going back again, just for another example, let's say that I'm giving that speech on the kids' dance program. If I tell that story from earlier about saving money for slippers and seeing the studio for the first time, it'll go a long way to making the topic come alive emotionally. But it doesn't help your brain. Your brain likes numbers. So if I give that story, I want to back it up somehow afterwards with a statistic. For instance, my experiences aren't unusual. Nearly 25% of the kids in the U.S. pursued dance at some point in their pre-adult life. That's one out of every four kids. By stating this fact, I show that my experiences are important in part because they're shared by so many other people. So now, not only are you invested emotionally in my speech, but your brain is also interested now because you can see that the topic is important enough to pay attention to. Numbers are good at showing us how big something is. And when we show people how big something is, they can see whether or not it's important. Each person's life and experiences are important, don't get me wrong, but people often pay more attention to things and make legislative choices, choices in their community, choices about their behavior, based off of big things that affect lots of people. And when you can show that something that you're talking about affects lots of people, your audience will get interested. Facts alone can't hold the speech. A speech consisting of just facts is like eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with no jelly in it. It will be dry, you won't enjoy the taste, and you won't remember the experience fondly if you remember it at all. You need the jelly of the stories. That said, a, sandwich that, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with just jelly on it is way too sweet. You need to have the protein, the sus sustenance of that peanut butter. It's good to bring in one or two very clear statistics and talk about them enough to help people understand. For instance, if I hit you with 10 different statistics on the total amount of money in the world, you will likely forget most of them. Remember, our audiences are forgetful. But if I tell you that there is just enough money in the world for every human being to buy themselves a number two combo at Popeyes with a biscuit, you may have better luck remembering that. That's an analogy one of my students last semester came up with, by the way. It's good to find a creative way to explain a statistic. I can tell you that there's something like, oh, what is it, $78 trillion in the world? But that number is so big that it's kind of hard to understand. You, you can tell it's a big amount, but you don't know how much it is until I break it down that, okay, that means that if we spread out the money evenly to everybody, everyone would have just enough money for a number two's Popeye's combo. You gotta take the numbers and tell them in a way that people will understand. By relating these big numbers back to a fast food chain, my former student really helped me to visualize just what that statistic meant. This is actually what we will be doing in the discussion board this week. You will be taking some generic statistics and finding creative ways to express them. This is an important concept. When we can make people see the numbers, that helps them remember them and helps them stick and have a greater impact even more so than just stating the statistic. And remember, if you are going to use statistics, don't bring in 10, 20 different numbers. Find the most important ones, the ones that make your case the most, and use those. So I mentioned that, you know, I might have in some cases a story for each of my main points. Well, you might want to have just one major statistic for each of your main points. Facts are a little easier. You can spread facts around and, like, you know, you can have those present, but when you deal with numbers, try to limit them so that they have individual impact. People might remember three numbers better than they'll remember 10.
The final thing I want to talk about is that it's crucial when finding great facts, quotes, statistics, to tell the audience where they came from. This is called citing your sources. For instance, if I told you that elephants can smell a chocolate bundt cake from 200 miles away, you are not likely to believe me. Likewise, in a political time right now where people don't trust news sources, you're going to want to fact check a lot of political statements. Now, when you're speaking, most audience members can't just go and fact check while you're in the middle of a speech, especially an in-person speech. So you have to do that for them. You have to fact check for them. The best way to do that in your speech is to tell your audience where your information came from. Again, this process is called citing your sources. We know what that looks like in an essay. Most of us have cited sources in an essay. You know, you might put the name of the author and the page number and the year, like in a little paragraph after, you know, after you've written something in an essay, or you might have a work cited at the bottom. And that's good. We need a works cited page from here on out attached to our outlines. This is going to be a new component and an important component. But you can't really do that so easy in the middle of a speech. I know speakers who will take their sources in a PowerPoint and put them at the very end, but audiences aren't going to read that. They really aren't. We have to find some way in the speech to give the audience the information they need so that they can trust you and so that they can trust what you're saying. So here's an example. I got the thing about elephants, right? About smelling the, the bunt cakes from 200 miles away. Let's say that I found that fact in National Geographic magazine while doing my research. In that case, I would say something like this. It'd go like this. So, elephants can smell a chocolate bundt cake from 200 miles away. That's according to an article in National Geographic by Don Johnson, an elephant researcher, and he's the one who stated this fact. Okay, that is citing sources. I say where it comes from, who came up with it, who that person is, and there's a couple things here, so I want to break it down. First, tell the audience what the source is. An article. I said it was an article in National Geographic. So, article. There are different types of sources. There's books, there's documentaries, there's newspaper articles. So telling your audience what exactly your source was helps them to understand better how reliable it is. For instance, an academic article may be a little more reliable than a documentary. I don't know, if someone told me that they read an article in National Geographic, I would probably believe that a little more than, you know, if they had read the article on BuzzFeed, right? So that's the first thing. What type of source is it? Second, you need to tell the audience the name of the source. So in this case, National Geographic. If it was a book, I'd say the title of the book. Um, if it was a documentary, I'd say the title of the documentary. You see where I'm going with this. So in an article, that's the first thing, in National Geographic, that's the second. Then finally, we need to tell the audience who wrote it and why they should be trusted. So Don Johnson is the name that I gave for the author of this article. He's worth trusting not only because he's published in Nat Geo, but also because he's an elephant researcher. That means he's more trustworthy than, say, me, who has done zero research on elephants. So that takes us full circle. We've got an article, that's the first thing, in National Geographic, that's the second, by Don Johnson, an elephant researcher. That's the third. 
These three things are the most important details to share. What the source is, its title, who wrote it, and why we should trust them. There are sometimes other details that are worth throwing in, such as when the article was written. Let's, uh, you, you know, that, that could be important if you need to show the audience that the information is the newest and best information available to them. Failing to cite the source is as bad as not having those details in the first place. In a world of disinformation, we have to coat our speeches in transparency. This is one of the best and most credible ways to do that. So from here on out, anytime you have a, a statistic, anytime you're pulling in a major detail uh, from some other source, you will need to cite those sources. We're going to be talking plenty more about this as we move towards this next speech. These speeches from, from here on out, they're a little more complicated. They require more work, more research, but you are more than capable of doing that. You've been honing your speaking skills. You've been honing your delivery, and you've been doing a great job. Last week's outlines were, by and large, very good. You all can handle this. This takes it up a notch. This is a level of professionalism that is worth striving towards, and one that I know that you all are capable of. Let's wrap it up. The next speech is the informative speech. This can be about anything. It can be about a person. It can be about a thing. It can be about an event that takes place. It can be a place. It can be just about anything. But you're going to be informing, kind of like teaching, but more just telling us about something. Lecturing, in a sense. So the speech is going to be a little bit longer. This is going to be five to seven minutes long. And it's going to require, again, like I said, some research. We're going to be working on a lot of different types of research. We're going to talk about library research. We're going to talk about in-text citations. All that's coming. You'll want to t uh, you will want to tune in to our. We will we will be having Zoom sessions basically, and you will want to jump into those because uh, that's where we're going to really break some of this down, and and chow into it. Because we, we need this information. This is really going to step up our game if we plan our speeches like this and put this information in. I'm proud of you all. We've made it over the hump. You all got this. If you have any questions, let me know. I will be available all week on Zoom. I also have office hours Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Wednesdays are the best. And as always, I can meet you over Zoom at any time that you need. Take care, y'all. Join me for Zoom, and we'll talk again soon.